Hey everyone, welcome back to Why the Flick, a podcast where we watch a new movie each episode and ask ourselves, why the flick did we watch this? I'm your host, Claire, and this week I'm really excited to have two very special guests back on the podcast. It is John and Georgia from Cover Films Podcast. Hey guys, how's it been? Hey Claire, great. We're glad to be back with you, uh, especially uh, for this episode. I think we're going to have a blast talking about this one. Yeah, I love Christmas stuff. This is going to be pretty nice and we always have a good chat. I'm excited to see what trivia you have for us. (laughs) Oh, always. I, I I love looking into the trivia and I knew so... For the listeners who uh, don't know, we are kicking off a Christmas movie series. This is the first in our Christmas movie lineup for December. And so I felt like it was only fitting. Christmas movies are very comforting. And so we had to have Comfort Films podcast on. It just seemed like a match made in heaven. So um, I'm also very excited by the movie you guys picked for this episode, which is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The one released in the year of our Lord 2000, directed <laughs> by Ron Howard, who it like always blows my mind that Ron Howard directed this because I'm like, this is literally the guy who did Apollo 13 and A Beautiful Mind. But then also this is on his filmography. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, I don't also for me, like, I am, you know, old, not that old, but Growing up, I would go to my grandmother's house and watch Andy Griffith's show all the time. And I always immediately think of Ron Howard as Opie from Andy Griffith. So I'm like, Mm. Opie made this movie. Opie made all these other movies. And it just weirds me out. But uh, (laughs) yeah, this is such a kind of departure movie for him. But at the same time, you totally see his stamp on it, too. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to get in on dig in on that. I mean, when I think of Ron Howard, I think of Happy Days. That's always me. I always hear the song. I see the intro. I get really excited. (laughs) And I mean, the one thing that is very family about this film is Ron Howard has basically his whole family in the film. (laughs) They are. Which is pretty good. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know his his family stars in this movie. Yeah, a lot of them. So uh, Clint Howard, his brother, is kind of the uh, toady of the mayor. Uh, Great character. And his father, Rance Howard, plays um, the older who. Oh, yeah. Um, who has, like, the 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 booze bottle. <laughs> yeah. That the Grinch That's steals. That's amazing. Um, and then I think various, like, brothers, maybe, sister, brother, children, like, all kind of stuff. There's so many Howards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then one of yeah. Brian Grazer's kids is in it, or relatives. Relatives. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah. it's a family affair, and I feel like there's so many so many background characters that it's very easy to pull in your family like, and just say like, "Hey, you want to like dress up as a who for a day and like be in this background <laughs> scene? Come at come on." Um, yeah. But yeah, so as always, we read the IMDb description. Everyone knows what this movie is, at least the book, I would think, or the cartoon version, but. Uh, The IMDb description goes, on the outskirts of Whoville lives a green revenge-sinking Grinch who plans to ruin Christmas for all of the citizens of the town. So I ask my guests this every episode. Um, So I'll ask you guys, why the flick did you pick this movie? (laughs) 
Well, that's an interesting question, because when we're talking about <laughs> Christmas movies, on our show, we always do several Christmas movies every year. And one of the things that we have done uh, every year is, um, you know, primarily we talk about films, but on Christmas, we generally talk about a Christmas special um, instead of having, you know, every episode be a movie focus. Because, you know, again, comfort around Christmas, part of that, I think, is whatever was on TV for you, like, every year when you were growing up. And for me, that's these Christmas specials, same with John. So yeah. the first year we picked Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which was a Muppet thing that I adored growing up. And then the second year we did Charlie Brown Christmas, which I liked as well, but that was a big, big one for John. And then this year, we were already planning to do the Cartoon Grinch special. Mm -hmm. um, so when you asked us to do a, a movie with you, we thought, why not, you know, do another Grinch-based movie? And of course, there's the newer one um, with Benedict Cumberbatch as the voice of the Grinch, which I have not seen. I haven't actually. seen either. I haven't and either. I had not actually seen this one either, Me neither. somehow. So I thought wait. I did. Yeah, till, I know we had never seen this. It. Yeah. Yes. I Oh my god. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm so shocked. <laughs> but we wanted to see this. We've always thought about it and you know, I've seen pieces and bits of it, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. And we thought what better opportunity to do this than to just really be able to watch it and super dig into it and talk with you yeah. um about it. So Oh my god, I'm so curious. Because I saw it when it first came out, and I have a whole story to get into about my experience, but I really want to know how, what, like, overall thoughts as adults watching this movie. Like, what did you think? Um, well, part of that I'm going to save for the deflick portion of this. Okay. Uh, but because there's a big one for me, but um, it is a bit of a fever dream of a movie. Yes. Uh, a little acid trippy sometimes. And, you know, I'm, super familiar with the cartoon uh, which we didn't yeah. actually rewatch. we were like we're not going to rewatch that until after we watch this and just have this fresh in our mind and you know honestly they did a pretty great job of taking the original story and translating it into a full-length film you know mm -hmm. they had to add background and do a lot of other things with it um and it is like very like i don't know cocaine fueled <laughs> in places it feels like i mean not like literally but figuratively i don't yeah. think they were like you know i don't think they were ripping lines on set however <laughs> the energy level of this is like so crazy high you can really see how it's like very kid oriented um because mm -hmm. it's like just bright and loud and crazy and slapstick and a lot of the humor is you know, very kid friendly. Um, and that's Jim Carrey too, in a way. I mean, yeah. it, it very much fits him. So yeah, it was pretty much exactly what I expected it to be. Um, but yeah, watching it for the first time as an adult, I think is a bit different than if you watched it as a kid, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, it was like, I was, so I graduated from college in 1999. And when I got out, it was just, I was straight to work. And by that, I mean, I had like three, four jobs at a time. I was working like a hundred hours a week. You know, I, I was running a theater company. I was doing improv, all kinds of things. And so anything that, that came up during a certain period is kind of in a fog. Like I have mm -hmm. no idea what happened. Like I would hear things on the radio. 
Um, but this, like, I, I barely remembered. I really like was convinced. I told George, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw this. This was great. And when we put it on, I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> what this is at all. Um, so you could yeah. have seen it, but psychologically erased it from like your memory perhaps. <laughs> That's possible. It's too. possible. I mean it's you know But I, I mean we met in two thousand one mm-hmm. and I had the same thing. Like I, I graduated from college in two thousand and moved from Mississippi to Massachusetts. So nothing, you know, happened for me entertainment wise pretty much for a year because I was in grad school and I was I had just moved and things were crazy. So if I didn't see it then and I haven't seen it with you, then that's a pretty safe bet that I haven't seen it because we pretty much watch everything together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch things. I'll be like, this was great. You need to watch it. And then I'll just watch it again instantly. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of our household, you know, <laughs> a lot of things yeah. on repeat. I mean, yeah, the biggest same. thing for me with this, because we just recently did Popeye, okay, is there are so many comparisons between this and Robin Williams's Popeye. And it was just like, what? Like, I, I didn't think about it. You know, we have a leading man who is known for being comedic, but also is excellent at being dramatic. You know, and also I'm, has a real amped up energy. Like yes. Jim Carrey yes. and Robin Williams are both like high level energy guys. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. great with kids. Like you, you would totally see them in a family movie as soon as you'd see them, you know, in a very serious film with, with, with darker topics. So it's like, oh, OK, we have that. We also have the same thing as in Popeye. We have these Cirque du Soleil performers, you know, in the group. You even have Bill Irwin in there. Mm-hmm. And Bill Irwin was actually in Popeye. You know, it, it's like Popeye, we have Malta, right? And this, you know, we're in this icy place, which is, you know, on, on a studio lot. But it's just like it's it's this remote, far away area. And the yeah. costumes, the colors, the, the attitudes, even the music, because Popeye had music and this does, too. That's true. Yeah, it was weird because I would never put those two movies together. But seeing them in like <laughs> close quarters with each other, it was like, whoa, these well, are very similar. The sets. I forgot the sets. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Yeah, because they they kind of built them the same. So one of the interesting things we ran across when we watched Robin Williams Popeye was that they built the set in Malta from scratch. And uh, at some point during the construction, they decided that they were going to take away all of the tools of the people who were building it so that they couldn't actually make straight lines. Um, So (laughs) they would kind of have this kind of tilted kind of look to Mm. it. And the same kind of thing was happening with this set. Like there's, you know, it's, it's supposed to look kind of, you know, fantastical and not really real. So they have like a lot of really, again, no straight lines. Like everything's built kind of curvy and kind of off and strange and not exactly obeying the physics of earth because they're not supposed to be, you know, on earth. Well, you can really tell that from the inspiration, I think from the books, because shapes and of all sizes are kind of in the book. So I feel like they really pulled that through um, into this movie for me. So I was 10 when I watched this movie for the first time, when it first came out. And I remember it being a big deal at the time. Like this was the first live adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book. And it's one of the most popular ones. And I was like ready for it. I'd loved like cartoon when I was a kid. And so I watched it. And I have to be really honest, I did not like this movie as a kid when I when it came out. 
like I just did not vibe with the aesthetic. It was like it, like a wild fever dream, and I was just like, frankly, I was like grossed out. I was I like had a visceral reaction. I feel like to this movie where it just I just didn't like it at all. Um, so I you know I stored that away for a few years. Um, and then with the rise of the internet, as with all things and with meme culture and Instagram and TikTok, this movie popped up a lot more on my feed in the context of like adulthood and what it means to be a Grinch. And it's actually like me now, like I'm the Grinch. <laughs> Hi, it's me. And same to some so extent, I, I think like, yeah, to We're some extent, I think like it resonates more with it, with adults and to some extent millennials specifically. So I just think it hits different. And so um, I rewatched it for the first time in a long time last year on Christmas Day because I was so hyped to watch it and I loved it. Like I was laughing the entire time. It just it hits so much different. And I think it's because a lot of the jokes especially from Jim Carrey are geared more toward adults and like what it is to actually be adulting so to speak. I fully agree with that. That's that's part of why I am glad that we didn't see it until now because uh part of it I, I have to say the humor in this is not necessarily always my style of humor like it's kind of gross a lot of times <laughs> and just slapstick <laughs> slapstick is I mean, like, it's not my favorite thing. So, you know, uh, when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I don't know. Like, some of this is kind of silly. But there's also a lot of really funny stuff. And I agree with you that I actually resonate with the Grinch. And I love that they kind of created this backstory for him mm -hmm. where, you know, you can see why he turned out this way. Like, you know. He kind of got mistreated when he was a kid. And so when he's grown up, he just wants to like isolate himself in a cave of garbage. And like, he's fine with that. And, yeah. you know, that's relatable to me. Like, that was, <laughs> COVID isolation yeah. was like the best time for me because I was like, oh, I don't have to go out and interact with people. Yeah. I love this. Oh, I thought I was thriving. I was yeah. like, I love like being home. Like, yeah. I know how to do this by myself. Like, I know how to entertain myself and seeing the Grinch, like, just love being in his own space and like not wanting neighbors to come by. It just, it just felt like so true to me where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, this is me and I have a dog. So it, it's also like relatable in that sense. Oh, yeah. Um, Max is like the yeah. MVP of this movie. I love this dog so much. Yeah. They almost were going to have it to be like just a CGI dog. And then they yeah. brought in actually Max is a female dog named <laughs> Kelly. I read. Um, but they brought in Kelly to to play the live action. I'm like, it definitely needed a live action dog. If you're going to make everything else live action and put Jim Carrey in this get up head to toe, then you definitely need a real dog. <laughs> yeah. So. And Kelly, I think, was actually a rescue dog. I yes. they, they got her from yeah. the pound and trained her. And she looks so right. Like, she looks like yeah. a cartoon dog. And I don't know if they, like, did something to her ears to make them, like, longer longer, <laughs> so that she looks like that dog. But I just love her. And I also love that when Max is alone, <laughs> Max is, like, into Christmas and is, like, dancing around yeah. and stuff. So yeah. it's like oh, Max, so Max has his own, like, you know, inner life. And I just think that's maybe my favorite thing about the whole movie to be honest 
Well, I mean, it's yeah. so interesting that the the dog is so good. You know, I mean, all of these movements, they were just constantly impressed with, with what was brought to the table. And yeah, when, when you know, we see the dog partying and, and walking <laughs> around and like, yeah, that, you know, that really happened. <laughs> you know, and in the commentary, Ron Howard was like, you know, because we see Max get thrown. He's like, oh, don't worry. That wasn't Max. You know, we, okay. we don't hurt dogs. Phew. Yeah. He's like, we don't do that. Now, I do have a question about that beautiful Persian cat, however. Yeah, that we gets were sucked worried up. about the cat. <laughs> yeah, we are concerned about the cat. But yeah, I mean, the dog, it, it really was just the perfect sidekick. And it, I don't know, it had the qualities of a human being. And it's a dog. So, I mean, that's not an easy task. No. That's yeah, not no, an easy I task. Mean, I, the expressions of the dog are just like, it, it is like he has a, a person there. With yeah. Him. Yeah. And I just love how the Grinch would talk to Max. And all you would hear is like, bark, bark, bark. And, and you know, Grinch would be like responding to him as though he understands what he is saying exactly. <laughs> and, might all, and, and I feel like that's so true to me, too, when I'm with my dogs. We're like, I don't know. We do voices for our dogs um, constantly <laughs> and like what they would be saying in that moment. So that feels very relatable, too. <laughs> I mean, when you have a dog, I mean, again, allergies prevent us from having any animals. It's all me. I'm allergic to everything. No, I'm allergic to dogs also, but, but not we could as have bad had something as you. If it wasn't for me, but like yeah. everything for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm mostly allergic to cats and then a little bit to dogs, but um, we would probably have a hundred dogs. <laughs> we could have dogs. We love them so much. I would have a chow chow yeah. farm. I would just, I, I wouldn't <laughs> ever get rid of the chow chows. I would just keep them. And yeah, they'd just be with us. Ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. love looking at dogs online because it's like vicariously, I can pretend I have a dog. So get really attached to some like really great dogs. Yeah, I I mean, confession on both our personal Instagram and our comfort films Instagram, a lot of our follows are dogs. Like, <laughs> just like even if I'm like on our podcast, I really need to have some dogs in the feed. Otherwise, it's not like yeah. an okay day. Yeah, and then I get some gorillas now too that are popping up. <laughs> We're very yeah. into animals. We love animals. Say? Yeah. yeah i have like i've like i follow dogs i also follow orcas on my personal <laughs> account just because i love seeing like whale like videos pop up on my feed um so yeah love that and i think like what one thing i was realizing to tie this back to like some of the adult stuff i want to talk about in this movie it's like jim not jim carrey the grinch seems to be like the og sinkwad single income no kids with a dog like he is the one who started it all and so many like things in this movie are for the adults like yeah it's a kids movie you can say but I love it when like adults get a little bit of enjoyment out of it too like this is for me this this part's my thing like especially when the Grinch is in his home and he's eating the glass you know the mm. glass bottle and he goes my favorite quote Am I eating because I'm bored or am I just eating because I'm bored? That's I laugh every <laughs> single time that happens. Most of my notes were just quotes from the Grinch. Like that's the only thing like I took note of because they're they're all so good. Um, but yeah, there's like adultery jokes when the baby Grinch not baby Grinch is when the baby who's are being delivered and and the one dad's like, he looks just like your boss. Um <laughs> There's also like a sweeners party that happens where they're all putting keys in the jar. Like, and I didn't even realize this when I was a kid, but then it came on screen and I was like, keys in a jar. I know what that means. <laughs> so there, there's just a lot to enjoy, like nods to, I think, mental health and like weight issues too with like getting older, just, just 
so so many wonderful things about this movie well i think there's a really this is really bizarre so i talked about popeye so i'm going to bring up something else this also really follows stephen king's carry um because mm, we, we have this whole bullying situation and you know what happens at the beginning you know when we have the young grinch in school and you know he shaves because he wants to you know impress martha and everyone sees him and everyone, including the teacher, laughs at him and that makes him freak out. So he goes down this kind of really hard path. And then, you know, he has, you know, Cindy come and invite him back. And so he's like, OK, and he doesn't want to do it, but he gives over to it just like Carrie does at the big party. And, you know, the Grinch is up on stage and he's like really feeling it. And then he has that awful, awful mayor that, that gives him the razor and it makes him freak out. And then yeah. the mayor goes and proposes to, you know, his girlfriend, to, to the Grinch, the person that he loves. So he completely loses his mind and he starts taking it out on the crowd. He has that wild speech, which is just like the, what's so interesting about his speech is it's fully unhinged. But at the same time, you can actually see the logic of it. Because yeah, he's he saying, like makes some valid points. Right. And you're speech. just like, what? And then he like, you know, sets fire to things, which literally is Carrie, <laughs> you know, and then it's like the town blows up. You know what I mean? Well, not all of it, but yeah, I mean, we see a good sized explosion. So I just couldn't believe how much of what we saw follows yeah, a Stephen King story. Carrie without like the literal murder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That would... <laughs> That would put a damper on Christmas <laughs> that I don't think the Who's could dig themselves out of. No, well, I don't yeah. think that would have worked too well. Yeah, <clears throat> but I, I really understand you, you know, with, with these adult themes. I mean, it, it's very much there. And I mean, we also have, again, the mayor played by Jeffrey Tambor. And he is such a horrible human being. Yeah, yeah total terrible. And it's just like yeah. we, you know, it's like the mayor is saying that the Grinch is horrible. And then we find out at the end that the true evil is the mayor himself. He loves mm -hmm. commercialism. That's how he seduces Martha. He's like, look at all these fabulous prizes, you know, and he's just yeah. like trying to get her in. And then mm -hmm. he tells Cindy Lou Who that no one should listen to her because in his words, she's just a girl. Yeah, he's just yeah. like, like a little exactly. child. Yeah and, yeah, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. Like, this is the guy that needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. When he says not to be taken seriously, girl, and like, just like the emphasis on the fact that he says girl, I was like, okay, we're done. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. He hits it canceled. so hard. You're canceled. Canceled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Well, and again, it's just like they have a lot of people that can really act in this film and they're acting mm -hmm. through such heavy makeup. You know, yes. I love Christine Baranski. That's like, I just love her and everything that she's in. Yeah. We recently did the birdcage also. So we had, mm -hmm. we've had a lot of Christine Baranski around and she's so good and she doesn't have as much makeup on, I think as other people. Um, but she's, she's just perfect for this part. And she's just such a good actress that she can just do it anyway yeah but like bill Irwin again he plays lulu who cindy lou's father and he's amazing um and of course like jim carrey has the most latex on his face mm. 
And yet, even with all of that, and also knowing from reading trivia that it was miserable for him to have that, he's still so good. And he still has, like, his facial expressions are still him. It's not CGI and other makeups that they put on. It's like he has all this stuff on, but then he still does, like, the giant grins, you know, the evil smile that is fully associated with the Grinch. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, because it really, it really feels like we're watching, you know, the older cartoon or we're looking at the book. I, I mean, I, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did that so well, honestly, because he fully embodies it. What One of my favorite things about the film is how well we dovetail into the original story. And when mm-hmm. we get the Grinch song, it is fully, fully motivated. Yeah. We are completely ready to go. We're like, oh, yes, this is <laughs> yeah, it. It's on. Yeah, and it, what blows my mind is they said that Jim Carrey recorded that song long yeah. before they filmed the sequence. What? Like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, like that song came on and I was like, oh, who's this artist like in the background who's singing? Because I could tell like some parts of it were Jim Carrey, but then I was like, this other this other voice, who is this? And I looked it up and Jim Carrey sang all the parts and did all the voices. And I was like, excuse me? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, he's so unbelievably good. Like, I don't think they could have had this movie without him at all. Mm-mm. No way, no how. He's so perfectly casted for this role. Like, and I think I had read that, like, Robin Williams was also considered for this uh-uh. role. But, and I could, like, in a world, alternate reality world, I could see Robin Williams doing this. I feel like it would be really different. I might still like it. But Jim Carrey just has such that like zany, wacky energy that it's so unhinged that it's perfect for the Grinch. And he brings the physicality. He brings the voice. There's like this um, video on TikTok that I've seen going around where like Jim Carrey was giving an interview and he will do the face still without makeup Ooh. and to kids. And then the kids are like, oh, my God, you are the Grinch. And <laughs> and he it's really him like pulling his mouth up. Like there's some parts where like CGI is added to like over exaggerate it more. But it really is him doing a lot of the facial expressions. And God, I mean, I can't imagine. No, yeah, and- he, I mean, we, I think I'm not speaking for, I, I will speak for both of us and say, I think probably we know him from first from uh, In Living Color when he yes. was on there. And he had all these crazy characters and he would do like the Jack Nicholson impression and have his face like all weird, scrunched up. And it's pretty unbelievable, like all the stuff that he is able to do. And he just takes all of that and uses it to such great um talent to be the Grinch here and I think it's interesting to think of Robin Williams because again I mean we talked about it earlier like they yeah. have a similar kind of very high energy style mm-hmm. but I think Jim Carrey has like kind of a darker edge to him yeah um that makes him more appropriate for this role like yeah not that Robin Williams can't do that I mean god especially later in his career he played some really bizarrely scummy characters but insomnia uh jim carrey just kind of naturally i feel kind of has like kind of that dark edge he just has Um, like the the like aura and like the body like like just like he he i just like can't see it really being anybody else yeah i i really can't either i just think everything about it is right and you know the scenes where it's just him by himself 
I never even think twice about that. Like I never get bored. I never don't, you know, I never start mentally wandering because there's only one person there. Like he's talking to himself, just like I would be talking to myself if I'm home alone. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm home alone, like you're like, oh, or, are I you also do? like my schedule at four o'clock? <laughs> I've got to wallow in my self pity and exactly. five thirty jazzercise, and then like six o'clock dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's very perfect for like kind of a a pessimistic pessimistic introvert. <laughs> so, yeah, it works. Well, they also managed to tie in again, like the the reality of of being an actor because he's like so bitter and he's so mad and he's so alone <laughs> but when there's the mention of an award all of yeah. a sudden it's great like an award, oh, an award. but then he wants a, and check. a check yeah, yeah. A check. somebody mentioned a check <laughs> there somebody no mentioned check. a check yeah <laughs> i mean i have a theory maybe the grinch is a capricorn and because he has all of these Capricorn traits and he's mad because Christmas and his birthday are really close to each other. Ooh. Uh, so he, you mm. know, never got the appropriate treatment for his birthday because oh. Christmas is right there. She says having a birthday on January 3rd. <laughs> I love how we've just added this additional backstory layer. Like we never really know why the Grinch doesn't like Christmas, but now it's because he's a Capricorn and <laughs> nobody remembers his birthday. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Or people give him a Christmas present and say, this is for your birthday, too. Oh, that's the worst. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> not that close to Christmas. My birthday is in February. It's still, like, adjacent, though, so I feel your your struggle. I was supposed to be born, like, on December 23rd. And I also I always oh, think that would have been maybe a little bit better because at least it's before Christmas. So you could just be like, you have to celebrate because it's not Christmas yet. But no, January 3rd, everybody's still in the Christmas hangover. And then New Year's hangover too, like sometimes yeah. literally. So forget it. <laughs> That's rough. It. That's rough. Oh man, <laughs> it's a tough time. I mean, it's what's interesting about this movie too is, I mean, I know Lemony Snicket is is after this, but mm. I kind of feel like this is like the, the the zenith of this really broad humor that we saw. Um, th this is the biggest thing, and for me initially, you know, if I was to go back in time you know, to the year 2000 and, and say to myself, do you want to see the Jim Carrey Grinch movie? My answer probably would have been no. And, and the reason for that is it's like, you know, you go and you get trained in acting and I would always catch so much heat. Like, that's too big. That's too big. What? What? You, you want to be funny, right? You want to be an actor, right? So I just became hardcore. Like I used to do musicals and all kinds of things. And mm -hmm. then I was like, I'm serious now. I'm serious. I don't I don't want any of this non-serious business. You know, it's like, who am I? Tommy Lee Jones and Batman Forever? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, it's like I will not sanction your buffoonery, but it's just like, yeah, it, it's it's totally, totally weird. Again, like when was this date in my mind that I watched this film? I don't know, maybe the last five or ten years. And I remember thinking it was good, but again, when I saw it, there was there was nothing there. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot that I forgot about this movie, too, to some extent. I mean, I think some of it, some of it goes out the window and then some of it stays with you for years upon years. But yeah, I mean, it's so crazy, too, how much like they were able to get Jim Carrey to perform or just he himself was able to like really perform very well in this movie when he was in such 
mental pain <laughs> going through the whole makeup and costuming of of putting on and I guess it like in some way helped uh inspire I guess maybe a little bit of like his portrayal of the Grinch because he was already in that really mad grumpy mindset so like it just kind of probably came through but yeah like there, this everyone kind of knows I feel like at this point the history of like him going through the costume get up and like how it took eight and a half hours like the first time for him to put on all of the makeup and the suit and then he went in his trailer and kicked a hole in the wall and then they after that point got it down to like three hours in total to get it on him and off of him but still like it's a really long time to just have to sit completely still and let someone like add all of this makeup to your face and then you also in addition to all of that have to put on yak hair dyed in green god knows how itchy and hot and disgusting yeah i mean every time i see like a behind the scenes makeup thing where people have to have those uh when people have to have like the thing made of their face you know so they have like the Mm -hmm. oh god the cast the plaster casts Mm. yes and they just have like little straws yeah yeah when they have like little straws sticking out of their nose and that's like the only breathing that they have i get like freaked out even thinking about that yes like i'm a little claustrophobic so when i think about that i'm like well that would be the end of it for me like this is maybe you know why i'm not an actor because there's certain things i'm not willing to do that like underwater stuff whenever i see people Mm. doing underwater shots in a movie i'm like that's a fat no for me like no way (laughs) any of that so i can fully understand how he just wanted to straight up kill everyone uh when he's having to sit there and put all the stuff on Especially because, again, he seems like a high energy kind of person, not a kind of guy who wants to sit still anyway. So I don't care how zen you are. That has to be like a a nightmare. Um, But I do think he was channeling probably some of that into being, you know, the nasty Grinch and having the attitude. But yeah, seeing it as an adult, I am less inclined to feel that the Grinch is like super horrible. I mean... <clears throat> yeah he's alone so when you live alone i think you probably can get into some weird habits like you know eating an onion or something <laughs> that would be well, my like question is that was that a real onion i could not find anything that said it was but i'm it guessing real. it is because it, it really real looked to me like a, yeah. i feel like he'd do it he'd be like yeah let me let me take a bite <laughs> and also use it as deodorant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah i think you know when you're isolated like that you know you could get us some weird habits and stuff so no judgment and i can also see why he doesn't want to be around these people because they're like insufferably oh my god like positive and but it's like it's like toxic positivity in some places and i think they really do a great job of showing that you know these people are having the holiday spirit but it's twisted like cindy lou's mom wanting to like beat everyone in the decorating contest and you know everything that they do has to be like so over the top and i love that cindy lou even as like this little kid is like this doesn't seem right to me and i have to say like taylor momsen is really really good like yeah um again they did a great job 
casting uh, kind of the perfect kid for this mm-hmm. because she almost is like a little grown up like she's more yeah, mature she than a lot of the grown ups in this movie um she's so wise she is she's really thoughtful and caring and you know she doesn't exactly fit in either and i think that's what kind of connects her to the grinch mm-hmm. because she she's able to see that he's not all wrong and yeah. you know she wants to try to fix what's been done to him and she's just a really sweet kid well i also feel like you know we're talking about the the grinch it's like he was coming off of man on the moon right at this point yeah so it's like that andy kaufman energy i feel is in the grinch because there are moments of sincerity that i feel are not sincere at all (laughs) but it's just like he's saying the words and it's just like you catch that when you're older Whereas when you were younger, I don't know that you would. So that, to me, I, I think is a really interesting turn in the film as well. Um, I mean, particularly at the very end, when they're all eating turkey in the cave, and he's like, who wants the gizzard? And someone's like, I do. He's like, oh, no, that's for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's Exactly. It's to let you know that, okay, yes, his heart did grow. You know, which is a wonderful thing. He is a better person, but there still is that curmudgeon in there. You know, he still mm-hmm. exists. He He's not completely gone. It's interesting how he is, you know, a, a hero in this. He doesn't want to be a hero, but he ends up being a hero. And I also adore the fact that they have like these kind of action moments in the film that that are hilarious. Um, at the very end, when he's trying to catch the sleigh with the presents, you know, they do this slow-mo jump, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, he's going to catch, you know, a bar of the sleigh. He doesn't. He <laughs> he just, like, yeah. beefs it into the Face snow. plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And I, I love how they just are able to flip all of that you know, on its head. And I mean, you know, the little car he drives around on, oh, that's ludicrous oh, and wonderful, right? And then like, yeah, he hits what, a, a fire hydrant, I think? <laughs> yeah. And then that makes the it like explodes. this huge explosion. <laughs> it's an enormous explosion. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? It's, I mean, oh, it's, it's great. I mean, the way that they're able to really toy with you in this film is impressive. And I, I do think that Yes, being, you know, an adult, I'm able to pull out so much more than I ever could um, if I saw it when I was younger. Yeah, I think like the thing that also stood out for me more so than when I maybe watched it when I was a kid, and it's mostly because I'm an adult now, is just how much commentary there is in this movie about Christmas commercialism and like obsessing over material possessions to the point where like you see in the beginning where everyone's like in a frenzy just like over you know shopping and then everything's 99% on sale and then you know crowds are pushing everyone over it feels very real to like you know what you would see at at a Black Friday event um in real life and so yeah I feel like there's this like chaotic energy that's happening in the movie that is really symbolic of this commercial greed that's also being portrayed in the film. And I really love the relationship between Grinch and Cindy Lou because they seem very similar in their, they have like, not like 
the same, I think, ideologies about Christmas, but they're both in a place where they're like not willing to conform to what's happening around them. So I feel like they, you know, that's why Cindy Lou's so like interested in inter- doing all the interview, little cute little interviews with her microphone and trying to find out more about the Grinch. And there's a line that she says when she's actually in the Grinch's home where she's trying to convince him to go to that cheermeister event. And she says to him, like, maybe just maybe if you can reunite with the who's and be part of Christmas, then maybe it'll be okay for me too. So I feel like that really gives you an insight into why she's doing what she's doing. Yes, it's to help the Grinch, but it's also to help herself a little bit and get some of that like Christmas spirit back. Now, Claire, you were a reporter, if I'm not mistaken, right? So with Cindy Lou Who and the investigation, seeing it now that you're older, did you feel like Cindy? (laughs) Yes, in some ways. Yes, I wasn't that little when I was like, you know, going around and doing little microphone things. But um, yes, I I was very much like, ah, journalism alive and well, even (laughs) in the Whoville space. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I I was very happy to see that she was just doing her due diligence getting all of these stories and I love the stories too how they unfold and um you know Martha May who is like explaining what's what happened from her perspective and you know at one point she says did I have a crush on the Grinch no and Cindy's like I didn't ask you that and (laughs) then she's like oops (laughs) and so yeah it was it was really cute to see her going around and, and getting those interviews and I feel like she was she's got a you know a uh, hopeful future career as a journalist, I could see. <laughs> I, I, what I liked about it is that, yeah, she, she thinks something is wrong with her. And you're mm-hmm. right. Like, that's why she's going about this. You know, it's not just, she thinks something is wrong with her. And she sees, you know, how people talk about the Grinch. And she's like, well, I kind of feel like that too. So what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not just going along with everybody else? And, I love that because it's just like this curiosity of a child kind of a thing that opens up the whole story. And I think that that's a really special kind of a thing for a Christmas movie. Um, And, you know, the commercialism thing, the anti-commercialism thing is a really big thing in movies way back with Christmas. Like um, this year we're talking about Miracle on 34th Street as one of our other movies and that movie even though it's from the 40s is very like uh about anti-commercialism at christmas because everybody is always just trying to shop and do all this stuff and it just shows that this is like such an ongoing problem for our society that it's so easy for us to forget that christmas really should be about you know, spending time with your family or, Mm -hmm. you know, slowing down and, you know, thinking about what's important in life. But it's not because it's all about just going nuts, buying stuff and, you know, making sure that everything is perfect. And it really makes Christmas a stressful time when it's not supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Um, And I think that this movie does a great job of talking about that. Yeah, it's nice how they, they have that. And again, it's like, who do we get the insight from? The child and the recluse curmudgeon. These are the people that have the information. You would think it would be your local leader. You would think it would be your parents, your (laughs) friends. 
No, it, it's the places where people don't necessarily go for information. And I, I think it's great that they're saying, open your mind, you know, talk to people, mm -hmm. talk to different people. Talk to the people who are normally ignored. Exactly. Because maybe they yeah. have the insight that you're looking for. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's, again, I mean, you do have, <laughs> what other thing I, I do want to bring up? It, it's like, a you know, the, the Ron Howard impression that Jim Carrey does where mm, he puts the hat so on, good. you know, it, it's just like, again, it's, this movie is very self-aware. And I like that. I like that it's self-aware. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw the impression, first thought I had was Steven Spielberg, not Ron Howard. <laughs> yes, I yeah. actually yeah. did, too. I was like, let yeah, me I look it up that. and see. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait. I was like, hmm. I see the hat. I'm thinking about Jaws. Okay, yeah. maybe yeah. it's him. No, it's Ron Howard. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that it's aware. I mean, and then, like, he also lampoons you know all those stupid weight loss commercials that we would see when we were younger when he's so oh, happy yeah. that he shrunk down his heart and then he <laughs> yeah. like just turns directly to the camera it's like my heart shrunk what one and a half times and i'm gonna keep it off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this time i'll keep it off that's and it then that's he just it. like goes and then he like you could tell like he's like no it's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah i love and i think that like goes into the am i eating because i'm bored thing because i feel like to me like there are times when I'm at home and I'm like, what do I feel like doing? I'm not really hungry, but I'm going to get a snack. And it's like, <laughs> am I, wait. And then I look at it and I'm like, am I doing this just because I'm bored? Like, it just, yeah. it happens, just you know? Just maybe a little snack right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just. A little snack of glass. Oh, yeah. God. Every time he ate that, right? <laughs> I was just like, oh, like I thought about that. And the termites, uh, that put us ooh. down. Oh, I man. That's a that's a rough part of the movie for me. I, I really hate bugs. He's literally mm. eating garbage. Like that just it took yeah. a while for that to sink in into my brain. This man is literally filling himself with garbage. Well, I mean it's yeah. very sad. Well, you get the trash bag and it's like oh. one man's sludge is another man's treasure. It's like hazardous waste. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's kind of like a, maybe it's like a metaphor for depression because he's just like in this yeah. dump, like just oh. living in garbage. And just, you know, hating everything. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. when he when they start the the hubilation and they're singing, he's like, Max, fetch me my sedative. And he's like trying to uh oh, he takes the hammer and he's like, This will help all those pesky negative thoughts or whatever. And he starts oh like God. feigning it into his head. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's got some unhealthy depression that he's dealing with because his past is like tragic. Like yeah. he, the one time he tried to participate in Christmas, he was made a fool of. And then, you know, it all went downhill from there and he ran away and yeah. Like you totally understand his perspective. Yeah. Self-abuse though. Like, like yeah. you're talking like mm -hmm. the self-abuse, like he put his head between those symbols that the monkey was slamming and you're just yeah. like, Whoa. And, and again, now that you're older, it's like you really, you really are thinking about this and you're like, wow, what are we, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very smart movie. It, yeah. And even when like his, he gets, you know, his heart grows three times, he l looks to Max and he goes, help me. I'm feeling. And like, that's like, oh my gosh. So, wow. so relatable. That is the most <laughs> relatable part of the movie, perhaps. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like let no. me feel my feelings <laughs> take this away please yeah yeah i 
I I have to give props to Josh Ryan Evans, who plays like the young version of the Grinch. Yes. Because, and this guy was um, an actor that was on the soap opera Passions. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, again, like the most unhinged thing ever. Like that, that show was crazy. I didn't really watch it that much, but I would see clips of it. And he played like Timmy on that and he was great, but that show was crazy. But he does such a good job. Like, you know, when I saw this part, I'm like, I have to look up who this is, like, playing the young Grinch. Because he was just so good. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I think he and Jim Carrey must have kind of worked together to kind of figure out the expression so he could do, like, a version of that. But, you know, he's just so... <laughs> he's so great because, you know, the Grinch isn't just the Grinch because of the bullying and because of his bad experiences. There's a little bit of his personality that's always been this way. Um, yeah. But the the whole the whole thing is that it's okay. Like, it's okay that he is kind of a curmudgeon, like a natural born curmudgeon. But he's trying to participate. He's trying to do stuff. He's trying to fit in. And you know he's he's rejected and that is kind of what puts him over the edge and i feel like you just really feel for him because josh ryan evans performance is just so good like you just feel Mm -hmm. so sorry for him because i certainly know what it feels like to to really put yourself out there and kind of get stomped you know or at least feel like you did and it's just it, it can be like really soul destroying and i can understand why he wanted to just you know, run off to be alone forever at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you put yourself out there and you know, it's like a stage dive, right? <laughs> you, you think people are going to be there, but you know, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And I, I mean, picking yourself back up after that, I, I mean, it's not, it's not very easy and it isn't like the Grinch mm-hmm. really has people that he can turn to that understand him. He does have the yeah. two women that are looking after him, but I feel like sometimes generationally it's different because things are, are so different now than they were before. And, you know, someone can give you wonderful, well-intentioned advice, but it just doesn't apply to this time because the world is a changing place. You know, it's like I in no way am in touch with youth culture. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. But also like they're women and, you know, they've always felt like they fit in. So it's like, you know, they, even though they are super well-intentioned and they're really sweet people, they can't really relate to, to his situation. Like, yeah, he visually doesn't fit here, you know, like, yes, mm-hmm. he came down with everyone else, but even since he was first born, he doesn't look like everybody else. He doesn't act like everyone else. They don't have that. So there's no real way for them to relate to him um, with how out outside of the the group he can feel well he is literally an alien and that's how you know when you're in depression you can feel like that like i am not like anyone else and the grinch literally is not like anyone else which again just another really smart piece of filmmaking yeah and that's new like that's like their addition to the story so it's really smart one thing that I also noticed in especially like this watch more so is that there are like elements of his look that you can tell he's a who like he does have the nose he does have like the hair hairstyle even though he is totally green like 
there are these like pieces of him that still look like a who but yeah like you said he's he's completely different which also like alienates him and makes him feel ostracized from the rest of the community um because he just he doesn't look like everyone else and you know and he's also you know made fun of especially by the mayor for like having a beard and shedding and he's and the mayor's when he's doing the interview with cindy he's like that's not normal which it's also like what is normal let's just you know put that out there like you know i mean let's let's have a little bit more empathy for this guy um i also think his 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 biddies as i think they said um we're just too busy swinging with everyone else to, <laughs> to uh, be able to relate to the poor Grinch. <laughs> they were they were having their own sex parties and putting keys in jars and all of that to to know what he was going through. But but yeah, <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> I I know it, it's just it's it's so funny with this film because I, I think about the making of the film and the things that they threw in there, right? Which really you know you won't see until you're older. And I've seen this in many Disney movies as well. You know, it's like you see the movie as a kid, you like it. You know, you look at Aladdin, right? You go back. There are different things. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what did Robin Williams say here? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's always present. Shrek is like that big time. Like if you want. For sure. Yeah. Shrek is like two different movies and you don't know until you yeah. watch it when you're younger and then when you're older. Yeah, it, it's, it's just like when different. the Grinch is in the uh, the mail room and he's like, now of a little something special, jury duty, jury, jury duty, <laughs> pink slip, eviction notice. And you're like, you don't get that when you're a kid. But when you're older, you're like, ah, oh, yes, that Ugh. that would be frustrating. <laughs> jury duty. Oh, that's a tough one. I once got that on uh, Thanksgiving week and it was Ooh. like I had every single day. You know, it was like the one week I had off and literally every single day I would have to look. And thank God I didn't have to go in, but I didn't know jury duties yeah it's hangs over your head yeah. yeah you're like oh i gotta get God. there i gotta park what do you get for lunch what do i have to wear what's well, gonna go on yeah it's not quite as bad as eviction and and being fired but it's up there <laughs> yeah or and chain it, mail god yeah. forbid oh yeah but i like how i like how you know mostly it's jury duty and then a couple he has to like really throw one in uh with something horrible but that's also like it reminds me of when he's going through the phone book to do like his hating um, and he just starts yeah. going oh, alphabetically. Yeah. And he's like, I hate you, hate you. Yeah, Loathe. hate, 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 hate. Yeah. <laughs> Loathe entirely. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It also I, just, pre- there's so many good parts where, oh, go ahead. No, please. Just so many, like, quotable moments. I feel like this, like, movie especially, and much the same, like, when we did our episode with Shrek 2, it's so quotable and so many lines that I feel like I'll say constantly, like, like when Jim Carrey goes, Oof, almost lost my cool back there when he absolutely 100% did. <laughs> just, just so many great moments. Oh, it's great. It's, I mean, he improved a lot of his lines, obviously, and it's just so and i think they also in the commentary talked about kind of developing it together so they had their script but then they kind of went through it with jim carrey too and he kind of added a lot of things and it's got his stamp on it in that way and that's i think what makes it so successful because yes they have a great story already but then they also have like this jim carrey interjecting his type of humor 
that really characterizes this Grinch. And I think it kind of bore out for him to get these other parts. Like you already mentioned a series of unfortunate events Mm. where he's playing kind of a similar character. And then he did Christmas Carol as well. Oh, yeah. And late Scrooge. And that's another kind of character. So it's just like Jim Carrey kind of kept playing this in other well, movies. And I think of The Mask, too, which was oh, pre yeah. this. Like, that, I think that was my first Jim Carrey movie I ever saw was The Mask. And I definitely see elements of that behavior in the Grinch performance. Oh, yeah. Because it's really over the top and chaotic. Like... Mm-hmm. He causes chaos and that's what, you know, he wants to do. Like he wants to like upset yeah. the natural order of things. Well, it actually yeah. loops back. Like this is pretty interesting. I was just watching this the other day. This was not anything I planned on saying. This kind of ties into the cable guy, Jim Carrey and the cable guy. It's a guy that watched a lot of television and everything he has is kind of a lie. And the reason that I bring that up is because in the Grinch voice, Ron Howard said that it's like this combination of all of these different voices that we've heard in the past. So Georgia and I kept trying to put our finger on it as we went through. You know, Georgia was like Walter Matthau, you know, Jimmy Stewart. It was all of these older, bigger Christmas films that we had. And, you know, going back to the cable guy, what does the cable guy want? He wants a friend. And again, the Grinch, Mm -hmm. though he'll never say it, what does he want? He wants acceptance. And again, in both films, we have this very broad humor that also can kind of go to these dark places. Um, the cable guy, obviously, a lot more than this. But it, it's it's something where, you know, Jim Carrey has such excellent range. And yeah. he's also excellent at just being able to, to zero in on a moment. Like, you could give him the most beautiful, heartfelt speech. But I bet they could say, okay, Mr. Carrey, when you hit the word the... I want you to say the like it's the most hateful thing you've ever heard in your life. And that's what would stand out. And you go, whoa, this guy's a pro. Yeah. I love when they give comedic actors the ability to like go off. Like you follow the script, but then also add a little bit of your own personal flavor to it. And I feel like we get that so much in this movie. And so many of the like best lines are are improvised by Jim Carrey. And some of some of the like greatest moments are accidentally improvised, like when he pulls the um the tablecloth underneath <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the the plates and it was actually supposed to like totally fall over and Jim Carrey did it so well that the plates stayed on the table. So then what does he do? He immediately goes back and just shoves the table over. <laughs> this is so great. Like I'm I like it even better that, that way. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It worked out so much better that way. Because he was just like just rips it off everything's great and then he just goes back like ah it just knocks everything (laughs) off and then knocks the table over it's it's hilarious well it shows you it's a person where everything could be okay things could be even going greater than you expected but he's still gonna mess it up he still Mm -hmm. needs to make it bad yeah well he's so frustrated like just you know he feels like nothing works out and it kind of becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because he just you know he he does it to himself a little bit like it's it's hard because people are kind of awful to him and they expect bad things from him but he also expects that so it just becomes the thing that happens and when he changes his mind about that 
and decides, you know, I can be different, that's like the catalyst um, for him feeling better. You know, and it's not like everything suddenly improved. Like things are still going wrong mm -hmm. yeah. for him at that point. But he's just like changed his perspective on it, which is a nice thing. But he gets with Martha in the end. Yeah. And that's what I like. Yeah. It's it's a two in one because it's like, you know, as the audience, we want the mayor to pay. We want there to <laughs> oh, be yeah. comeuppance for the mayor hard for yeah. so many reasons. He sucks. And, yeah, he does. It's a, So it's a two in one. It's like we get the romance that we wanted. It's there. It's great. It's wonderful. It's a dream come true. And you also get to flush your worst enemy down the toilet in the same moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I love that they he gets with Martha May at the end because they've had this, like, you know, a romance, unspoken, like, thing going on between the both of them ever since, like, childhood. And, and then when he, that's the other, like, um motivation for like him wanting to go to the the hubilation is because cindy lou says and martha may will be there and he goes martha may and i'm gonna get an award and look really good in front of her and so it's all gonna work out but then when he gets to the cheer that the whole like hubilation thing i was like who would want to be cheermeister at this point because <laughs> no. you get flung up and down on a chair so it's like a roller coaster ride while also having to have so much food shoved into your mouth mm. and some of the, i think that's where i got my when i was little i was like i'm i'm physically ill uh from this movie because of all of the <laughs> nasty things that they were putting in his mouth and one guy goes this is this isn't pudding or something and jim carrey de grinch goes what is it <laughs> and uh you have no idea it looked like jello but yeah i mean it's and it's just you know even in that moment i feel like the mayor is being an ass because he is putting Grinch through the ringer with all of these things. And it's like, it is Christmas overload. Like for a guy who hates Christmas, this is too much. Yeah. I mean, even for the, uh, who I would think it would be too much, but I guess the mayor feels like the mayor totally is being a jerk because he feels like he got rid of this guy when he was a kid and he shouldn't have to deal with him anymore. But now he's back and he's like, oh, not mm -hmm. this guy again. Mm -hmm. And all the mayor cares about is like being important. So he wanted to be the cheermeister and he would have been fine, I think, with like this Christmas overload um, just because it gives him some status and makes him seem important because that's all he really cares about. But yeah, I think that was a big part of in addition to like the anti-commercial message. It's also just saying, like, you. it's easy to have too much of a good thing. So when you just mm -hmm. overdo it, like, to the point of being sick, you know, with food and things like that, it's not fun anymore. Like, you're not enjoying it anymore. You're just trying to get as much as you can get. Like, the greed of it, it becomes more important than the fun. And, and that's what's happening with the Grinch. And, yeah, he already hates Christmas. This is, like torture he's basically being tortured and then yeah to, then to cap it all off at the end you know his worst mortal enemy like hands him this award oh. that mm. is just a callback to his most embarrassing moment that like set him off on a totally different path in life and mm -hmm. of course that's intentional 
Oh yeah, there's no yeah. question. I mean, it's yeah, it's just a very evil thing. They they do a great job with the transition between the younger versions of the characters and the older. And I mean, we spoke about mm. you know the actor that plays the younger Grinch, the younger mayor, also perfect. That is exactly yeah. who it is. This is the same bully. This is the bully that grew up. And I I love that we have that because it it just gives you this bigger picture of of their lives and i think that's i think that's what makes it so great is when we come to this grand finale it does feel like a finale because we've lived literally an entire life with this character and it's like and they lived happily ever after and then it would say in parentheses and the grinch was still a jerk sometimes and loved it you know (laughs) yeah yeah i love that he didn't like completely changed like he didn't lose his self still just to like conform you know he was yeah. still he he was nice he knew how to be nice but he was still his same old same old to some extent which i appreciated that he didn't lose himself to like please others no and he also he saved christmas again he saved christmas by doing what he thought was the most horrible thing possible which was to take all the gifts He thought that was Mm -hmm. the worst thing that he could do. And he thought he was going to really give it to the people of this town that made his life bad. And what he did is he, he saved them. You know, they were so happy because then they realized, Hey, we don't need any of that stuff. We care about Mm -hmm. each other. I love this day. I love the celebration. And of course, you know, the Grinch hears the, the people of Whoville singing and that, you know, that makes the change happen for him. That's, that's the big turn. For the Grinch. What a way to like have a plan completely backfire. <laughs> yeah. Like you think you're pulling one over on them, and then the Who's again are like, actually, you did us a huge favor. And the Grinch is like, what? Uh, but then <laughs> additionally, it grows his heart. So really, the the Who's got him in the end. <laughs> yeah. One thing that we haven't talked about that I think we probably should is the narration. Oh, is, yeah. Oh, my God. How yeah. have we gotten this far without mentioning Anthony Hopkins? Yeah, he's so awesome. And I also really love kind of the fourth wall breaks with the Grinch throughout, but especially yes. when he ends up kind of talking back <laughs> to the narrator. Um, yeah. I think that having Anthony Hopkins' as narrator is like a huge win. Um, for Ron Howard here because it brings like a, a, a level of class to the proceedings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just does such a great job. Yeah, it reminds you of like, um, I mean, the first thing I think of is Scrooge, right? When when they have, mm. you know, the reading of A Christmas Carol and they have John Houseman and he's sitting, you know, in the in the chair by the fireplace and it's this wonderful, cozy, opulent scene and he reads in that beautiful, trained, rich voice. And, and we get that. We get that in this film, but we also get this technicolor dream at the same time. It, it's just, it's really nice because, yes, I feel that Anthony Hopkins' voiceover actually grounds the film. Because yes. this is flying so high that they needed something level to keep you there. Agree. That's a really great point. I mean, and I do think that is it because it is so fantastical and so crazy and bizarre sometimes that it could kind of go right off the edge. Yeah. But then you always have like this Anthony Hopkins like narration to kind of bring you back. And, you know 
kind of couch the story as like the fictional story that it is, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think that's really helpful. And there's also humor in that as well, if you think about it, because Anthony Hopkins, wonderful actor, many great parts. But what do we know him best from? <laughs> Silence the Lambs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Animal <laughs> actor. Yeah. yeah. Like, I wanted to hear about some Chianti. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Oh. <laughs> some fava beans. Yes. The roast oh, beast. <laughs> the roast mm -hmm. beast. What is the rice the beast? Roast now beast. we have to be worried yeah. about that. Oh, God. In quotations. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that Anthony Hopkins is part of this movie in general. I love that he recorded his narration in, in one day from what I had read. Nice. Um, That's impressive. I, I, yeah. I need him, like, I need his voice and other things. Like, I could just, like, fall, I feel like fall asleep to him doing, like, a, a calm app narration and, and, and feel so at peace. But yeah, and he does a lot of the rhyming sequences too, which is also, like, a through line from this movie, from the book, and especially into this movie. Um, so much of it is rhyming, and even the Grinch, like, makes mention of it at one point where he's like, oh my god, I'm rhyming! And he just <laughs> is, like, so, like, disgusted by it. But yeah, um, a lot of, like, I think what they give Anthony Hopkins to work with is is great, but then also he's reading lines from, like, the original book, too, which is great to still see that come into play in this movie yeah because i think we all <clears throat> in the u.s anyway pretty much grow up with like this dr seuss you know reading these books they're like some of the first books you're reading and mm -hmm. it really does kind of well, maybe not anymore i don't know what kids do right. now but back in you know late gen x into early millennial mid-millennial i'm guessing we all kind of grew up like reading these books and just they're so fantastic and so imaginative and it's really done well in this that they capture that world through the visuals through the narration and you know then they add kind of this extra layer of the backstory and the Jim Carrey performance that really makes this pretty great yeah yeah it's it is so great because yeah green eggs and ham that's the first thing I think of. I, I love the Lorax was my favorite oh, book when I was mm -hmm. the, the movie. Not so much, but like <laughs> I, the book I loved. Too, yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, I mean, that's yeah. the memory I have. I have my parents reading it. I have the teachers reading and I've read it myself. And it, it's like, you know, I think that's another thing, I guess, with the Anthony Hopkins narration is it makes you think about yourself when you actually read this on your own. And, and it brings you back to, to those moments that you had. Or when your grandpa read it to you, but he wasn't like a, a classically trained British actor, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the imagination that's in Dr. Seuss is something that I, I think is something that I didn't even think about. It's something that I appreciated and I loved. I always loved that it was a surprise. I had no idea where we were going. You know, I always felt like, wait, what's going to happen? Oh, this. We've got a new word. We've got a new place. Wow, yeah. what's this? And and this, you know, gets your mind firing in a lot of different ways when you're younger. And it makes you think outside of the box. So it's something that I never think about. I don't know why I never think about Dr. Seuss regularly, but I should well, because he's I mean, amazing. Yeah, when you're a kid, I think, again, like when we were growing up, like this Dr. Seuss kind of reading directly led me into um reading roll doll 
when mm. I was like mm. getting into like yeah. chapter book type books because it's kind of similar like also I think they're both kind of garbage people however they wrote like <laughs> really 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 great yeah. imaginative books thank you for doing that even though you were trash um <laughs> I love you well it's true I mean like I'm really glad I didn't know that at the time like but oh yeah when you look back you're like oh my god Oh, I know, yeah. I know. Um, it's rough. Anytime I'm like, I used to really like these books, I'm like, uh But I did. I mean, I liked, I liked <sighs> reading these things when I was a kid, not knowing anything about the person who wrote them. It was great. Um, but they're both like super, super imaginative, creating these like really wild worlds. And for me, that was the thing I was most excited about. Like that's the stuff I loved reading when I was little. Is like. Uh, just super fantastical non-realistic kind of fantasy world stuff and dr seuss definitely kind of cornered the market on that um, yeah in books for kids yeah I, you know it's really funny i didn't know i didn't know dr seuss was nish nish i i didn't know mm. i didn't know Oh I, yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. Roll doll. I yeah, well, I, you didn't I found know that, that until I told you. Speaking of canceled, <laughs> right? It's just like what? Like yeah, we were doing Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's like oh, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, and then you like you find out about Roll Doll, and you go, oh like, no. Let me like yeah. slap a disclaimer on this. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. You know, we had this conversation back in season one when we covered Harry Potter, and we talked about J.K. Rowling, and we came to the conclusion that like. At this point, you can, I think it's okay to separate the work from the author. You like, you can still enjoy some of this work without, um, you know, supporting the author and, and their beliefs or what, what, what have you. But yeah, I think it's, it's hard when the, these works have been so ingrained in your childhood, it's hard to then go back and be like, oh, I see. And then like completely like get rid of it from you know your perspective yeah i have the yeah definitely have the same thing with harry potter that one's been a tough one Very um, tough. and it continues to be a tough one because yeah. somebody yeah. keeps digging the hole deeper um every two seconds if some people would just stop talking yeah that would yeah. be great turn off your twitter someone <sighs> uh, yeah but uh yeah because that was hard that was probably my favorite fandom and I really mm -hmm. got kind of jerked out of it by the whole reality of the situation. Um, and I've just gotten now to the point where I can go back and watch those movies again and enjoy them. Um, no word yet on whether I can enjoy the books. I haven't tried to reread them. But uh, with these, I think I'm further away. <laughs> so yeah. Dr. Seuss, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think in general, it's kind of a miracle this movie even got made to begin with because Dr. Seuss, real name Theodore Geisel, like refused to sell the film rights for these books. And oh, yeah. it wasn't until he passed away that the decision went to his wife, Audrey, and she ultimately like decided to um, auction off the rights, but like had a, had some very like steep stipulations. So like producers had to give her 4% of the box office gross. She would get half of the merchandising revenue, 70% of the profit from the book tie-in. 
And, and in addition to all of that, on top of it, she got five million for the material itself. So, you know, that there was like, I feel like a hill to get over to even get this live action version of the Grinch. But I think it all comes back to also making sure the Grinch is the right person. That was like a really big deal to everyone um, involved. And, it, you know, she had a lot of say in who that ended up being. I think one of the choices was Jim Carrey. It ultimately, as we know, became Jim Carrey. So I feel like without him, I don't know, like, if this movie would have been as good. Yeah, I just, I think, like, there's a lot of things in this that make it good but he's the number one and he he's kind of like the spoke you know or the he's like the what the wheel was built around like there's nothing else yeah you know without him like everything else has to come from him kind of being like the central uh person for this um because i think even ron howard's kind of he, I feel like Ron Howard is like a very positive kind of person. And I think that he's the right person to make this movie in that respect because, mm-hmm. you know, and also he's, you know, been in the business for ages, you know, since he was a little child. So he really knows how to make a movie. He knows what makes a good movie. But even then, like if you don't have Jim Carrey, you don't have the movie. And I mean, Ron Howard really said as much Oh yeah, on I the mean. commentary, you know, he even mm-hmm. recognized like, the reason this works is because we have Jim Carrey. Well, Jim Carrey is, he's our modern day Jerry Lewis. And what Jerry Lewis did, no one else could do. They, they couldn't do it exactly the same. You know, it, it's just like he had this certain type of humor. He had this kind of slapstick, over-the-top thing, where he could also be, as we found out later, he could also be a very good, serious actor. Zany. He's exactly. like the only person you can use zany in a positive connotation. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's just like, again, we can go back even further to like the silent movie era and those folks and, and how it, it moved forward. But I, I feel like, you know, Jerry Lewis to Jim Carrey, I feel like we have a direct line. And it, it's just like if you think about a Jerry Lewis movie and you think about someone else going into this Jerry Lewis movie you can't because there, there's no one else that has that exact same energy they don't have that same pov and w- with jim carrey yeah this is exactly it and jim carrey's the type of person that he can connect with kids and he connects also with adults so this is mm-hmm. this is exactly exactly what you needed in this movie yeah yeah i don't know if you guys have heard of like the rumors of a sequel the oh, Grinch wow. too. I don't know if it's happening, um, but there were rumors for a long time and some reports that it was going to star Jim Carrey. And then really recently, um, Carrey released a statement via his his representative who was like, "That's he's not coming back to do this. Like, And I was even at the time thinking, there is no way this man is going to come. Like, yes, he's <laughs> perfect. He does such a great job. But also it was complete hell like there is no way that he would ever come back to do this again and going through that experience I can't I can't imagine so that's and I don't think you should I don't know I have all those other opinions about doing sequels (laughs) I mean in general I I also feel like this movie has been made what would it even even be yeah I I don't know you don't what is there to talk about we I feel like they perfectly encapsulated the message of this movie 
we we have a complete thing we don't need to add on a second story let's just enjoy it for what it is we don't need to make a sequel for the sake of making money that's how i feel like a lot of sequels are just yeah i mean to make a buck especially in this case i feel like that would be it because the story has been told it's been told well let's just let Mm -hmm. that be let's just yeah walk on by (laughs) well it's been expanded already i mean they added so much new material for this film yeah so i feel like they've poured so much into it that it's like if we're going into a sequel, yeah, where where are we going? This is no longer anything to do with the same character. Right. Do something different. Go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, it's, there are so many yeah. great ideas out there that are original ideas yeah. that you could you could do. You don't need to do a sequel. So that's I'm in line kind with of that. that's kind of one of my things. I get off on a tangent and the soapbox with on everything anyway. Like. <clears throat> whether it's a sequel or like remakes or anything like this it's just like stop like step away <laughs> step yeah. away from the thing that's already good and let's do something new like and then when you do see a movie that has like a completely fresh new idea i just am so excited about that like mm-hmm. when yeah. everything everywhere all at once came out i was so excited yeah. because it felt new it was something different we're not just you know, building on another property that already exists or the movie Talk to Me that yes. came out this year. Yes. It's like a horror movie, yes. but it's like so it good, good and different, you know. And there those ideas are out there. Like, let's do those. Yeah. Like I'm so many ideas. Even like cocaine bear. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> this guy's the limit, guys. We can do anything. We don't have to do the Grinch too. I mean, that being said, you know, this does build off of an older <laughs> property and we are saying that's good. But, yeah. you know, it's it's taking a classic and kind of bringing it into the modern day and, and adjusting it and, and building onto it to make it a more complete yeah. story. You know, um, again, we didn't we haven't watched the cartoon version again yet because we're going to do a little show on that later in the month. But, uh, you know, it was very simple. It's like a very simple story. And this has kind of taken it and, and, you know, given it a background and fleshed it out. And I appreciate yeah. that. But that being said, like, let's stop now. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. <laughs> Well, and with the makeup, I mean, it's interesting because mm. Rick Baker won the Oscar for best makeup for this movie. And, you know, Jim Carrey, it, it seems like it was really difficult to have this makeup on. It actually makes me think about uh, Tim Curry in Legend years ago, you know, when he played like Darkness and he had like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? That, that That's crazy, too. But when this film was wrapped, it was on the commentary. Ron Howard said literally when they were done, he yelled cut and he knew it was over. Jim Carrey literally reached up and ripped the makeup off of his face and said, I am so glad this is over. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Yeah, you just I want bet. to breathe. I, I mean, I imagine your I mean, skin gets really. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought about that because Ooh, yeah. they all the who's even like, you know, their makeup is less extensive, but all of them have a prosthetic covering their nose. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that either they couldn't breathe through their nose or it was hard mm-hmm. to breathe through their nose because of the way that that prosthetic was applied. Forget it. Like, I can't. 
I yeah. I have three holes I can breathe in through my face. <laughs> I want all of them. I, I, I need them all accessible them. to me at all times. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And even look. like the yellow contacts that he had Ooh. to wear, like at some point, like they had to just digitally add them because they were just so painful for him to to wear all the time that he he just he's like this is where i draw the line i can't i can't also not be i can't not breathe and also not be able to see out of my eyes so um yeah and like the whole i think this is a story everyone on the internet knows too is that you know they had to hire a cia expert to come in and help jim carrey like basically like learn how to undergo torture to like deal with the makeup process and so this yeah this this cia expert taught jim carrey coping mechanisms for what to do when he started to feel like he was unraveling and it included oddly enough things that are very grinch like like eat everything you see like just eat everything around you chain smoke smoke a lot of cigarettes if you have to um change the tv smack yourself in the head punch yourself in the leg like thing just like switch up your routine i don't know if i'd condone hitting yourself but or chain smoking for sure um but yeah like the level that they went through to to get him to the end of this movie is a miracle yeah i uh I think it's awful. I feel like, you know, I'm so glad that he did it because I can enjoy the movie. But the more I think about that while I'm watching it, the more I think I would be pulled out of it. Like, knowing that (laughs) and just watching this person who you know is just being absolutely tortured into misery is pretty hard. Well, we've been talking about a lot of horror movies recently. And when people Mm. go into, you know, this monster makeup it is you know really difficult and they'll need to be in it for the whole day and when you think about that and you think about the discipline that it takes to just be completely you know just kind of like case yeah yeah, just like zip locked in wow like my hat is off to you like in a way that i can't even i can't even fathom It, it it is terrifying to me that the very thought of having something like that. Ooh, man. Like I have, I think, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I think you have to be, it's almost like you have to be a trained like actor in like prosthetic. Like I think of Doug Jones who like does a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's almost like an art form. Like you have to be almost classically tra- trained in wearing prosthetic makeup um, in order to do it. Cause it's, it looks tough. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that is actually uh, logical, you know, that certain actors have certain specializations, like uh, Andy Serkis, you know, is a very oh, yeah. good mocap actor, you know, like yeah. the best of the best with that. So, yeah, having a, a an actor who's just, like, really good at being able to act through, like, layers of prosthetics and not lose their mind completely. <laughs> well, and also be mm. able to emote. And that's, again, that's again yeah. with Jim Carrey, what we marvel at. He is <laughs> able to fully express himself through that makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Even though yeah. he wants to, you know, jump off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> we thank you, Jim Carrey, for your sacrifice. Yes. This yeah. Was, it's, it's a, it's an amazing film. Such a like Christmas classic. I'm glad that we have this. I'm 
also sorry you had to go through this sounds painful but thank you for your service (laughs) (laughs) well said yeah um is there anything else we want to talk about before we go into segments i don't think so i think we got it okay everything up. i'm good yeah i feel like we did we did we did a great job guys um so first segment is duff flick and my first duff flick is why the flick is there a very dangerous hole in this mail room with no rope around it (laughs) where packages go to be sorted but actually also smashed by a frat like i feel like that's also um a commentary on like post office and you put fragile on a on a package and it still gets damaged but yes why is there a hole just where someone can fall and and die let's not let's not do that <laughs> because the who's don't have a good osha system in place that's it <laughs> yeah no osha in in whoville Mm-mm. yeah i thought the same thing like then you have your little child just standing back there and you're like comfortable just being like, oh, just stay away from that. Like, don't go. Yeah, just don't go near there. Normal children. I mean, Cindy Lou is pretty well behaved, but normal kids would probably immediately go mess with that because you told them not. Yeah. To. Oh yeah, that'd be the first yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, but the Who's don't seem to have a lot of safety concerns. Mm. Um, it's a very hazardous environment in general. <laughs> I mean, he's like, you know, uh, Lulu who is on that ladder like you know going around and then like all these people are just smashing into the post office and Mm. then you know they're all crowded into these areas with all these unsafe lights and stuff everywhere like it's a Mm. disaster waiting to happen the Grinch Mm. really just kind of was the inevitable (laughs) yeah he just really showed them how dangerous it is to actually be there you know things light on fire very trees are very flammable you know they really brought upon themselves (laughs) (laughs) well for me i'd say that the why to flick moment is just what you said why is it that when the car hit the fire hydrant that there was this (laughs) mushroom cloud like i love it like i love the absurdity of it you know absurdity that that's my bread and butter so i think it's hilarious but there is I, i couldn't think of any reason why that that would happen or, or why that would every that. every great movie has a great action sequence where the bomb goes off <laughs> right you know Oppen- oppenheimer we've learned you know. <laughs> it's oh my god this is like a prequel to oppenheimer it is yeah <laughs> the christopher other... nolan saw this and he thought mm, i have an idea oh <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> Well, I don't know if you're, if you're a gamer at all. The other thing is, this is a wide to flick thing, is we play Baldur's Gate 3, and there is this race of characters called Gith Yankee, and they look exactly like the Grinch. They, they look, look like the mm. Who. Well, okay. Yes, this is maybe off topic of the flick, but <laughs> the first time we were playing... No, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> with Baldur's Gate 3, it's like a Dungeons & Dragons game, and you create your own role-playing character... And I'm sure that everyone who plays this has spent like hours in the character creator making your character. Well, the first time John made a character, he made a Get the Yankee character. So they're green. They have like a really long space between their nose and their upper lip. And they have these tiny, tiny little noses. And he <laughs> he gave us a hairstyle that had like this kind of straight up in the air, like green hair. And... <laughs> when he made oh my it God. i was like you've basically made like a who like a green who like a grinchy green guy 
and he made him a bard also which was hilarious so like yeah he would jam a lot yeah yeah so when when i'm seeing i just looked up pictures of what you're all talking what we were talking about and yes yeah i see see the resemblance yeah so every time i see them i only think about the who's (laughs) that's so funny so one of my deflects is who the flick thought it was a good idea to do this key party thing <laughs> in this movie? Like, wow, yeah. I kind of thought like that part almost went over the edge of what's acceptable. <laughs> like, obviously, oh, wow. no kids don't know what this is, but that was like a pretty extreme sack of joke for this movie. <laughs> and I was kind of just like, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that party and was in the getting wild too. Yeah, you. There was like stuff happening in the background. There was like a woman riding on the back of a of a guy, like a horse, and there, <laughs> I didn't see there it. was some. Yeah, you can go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody <laughs> thought it was a good idea. I don't know who they were, but okay. Um, yeah. And the other one that kind <sighs> of like freaks me out because I kind of get freaked out by weird stuff is why to flick do we have this idea that this is taking place on a snowflake i didn't oh actually get that at first so like you know at yeah. the beginning of the movie it like zooms in on the snowflake and then like it zooms even further in and in and in and in and until like we watched it again and listened to the commentary i guess like my brain wasn't allowing me to make the connection that this entire world like exists inside the snowflake which stresses me out a lot because even if like time is relative and the who's like experience of time is totally different than ours a snowflake is an impermeable thing that's just gonna melt and so like these people are living like their whole lives out on something that is like you know a very temporary location and it really like if i start thinking about it too hard i get like super stressed it's like pompeii oh yeah i'm a weird person like i've talked about this before but like with like my back to the future like i get really scared about time travel like a lot of things i'm i'm very good at like overthinking and this is one of them i'm just like really stressed out no because even though you know these people are going through all this stuff in this movie and the grinch you know everything's happily ever after the end no it's not because they live on a snowflake i know like i think about stepping in snow and i'm like oh my god am i like causing like genocide to all these who's when i'm stepping in the snow yeah that's an interesting choice i'll say yeah and Um, i know they did it to be like like a fantasy thing or whatever but mm -hmm. stop like no not okay well i think it's very also similar to like horton here's a who like they these tiny who's live in these tiny spaces um like a dandelion um so yeah and it it is very you know scary in that mo- book movie too where you know who somebody could be trying to you know blow a dandelion and it essentially like commit mass murder so yeah. you know yeah, i mean kill uh, everyone. it is i get it i get it <laughs> yeah scary then, thought yeah um, stephen king's dark tower series is like the nexus of all universes is in the middle is a rose growing in the middle of a vacant lot 
And if that lot got purchased or the rose got chopped down, then all of these worlds would collapse, you know? And I'm like, no, Jeez. that's too stressful for me. We have to yeah. have a backup plan. I can't. Why do can't that. can't snow just be snow? Stand a snowflake <laughs> yeah. just be a snowflake. You have to make yeah. us worry about snowflakes now too. Yeah. Uh, um, my last why the flick that I'll say is that, and this is something I kind of wish that they had included in the movie. If they're gonna do backstory, like why not do this too? If the Grinch is so bad, he's so like hates everyone why deflect does he keep max and i think that's a really important like um just like reasoning for us to to see that he's not all that bad is that he does keep a dog i mean not that everybody who has a dog is a good person because definitely people abuse their animals and you can see grinch doing that too but like he does have a companion and and i wish we could have seen like how did max come into the picture i think that would have been really special to like see them you know unite and be like and and Grinch be like I guess you can like stay if you want um so yeah I love that idea that would be an acceptable expansion on the story but it wouldn't be a full feature length movie it would just be like yeah a short like they could do like a little short that tells me how Max and the Grinch met and how they became you know friends BFFs yeah I want to know. Or frenemies. I don't know what they're. <laughs> See, I never even questioned that. That's, that's a great question. I literally never even thought of that. That, that I mean, yeah. I just accepted it somehow. I, I don't know how or why. Like, I mean, you know, I, the first thought I had, I was like, that's not a pleasant thought. But the first thought I had is like, he's going through garbage all the time. What if somebody threw out the dog? I had oh. that just same thought when you said that. I, I thought that too. <gasps> I thought maybe like somebody didn't want Max and dumped him and yeah. the Grinch found him in the trash. Wow. That's that, sad. I can see that. Because that's like the Grinch's whole speech when he's, you know, critiquing the Cheermeister event. He's like, y'all know that like I get your trash and your trash is all of your gifts. So you think that you're giving gifts to people out of nicety, but then you know what happens? They actually just throw it away because they don't need it. And so I get it. And I feel like that's also like great commentary on consumer culture but yeah like i could i could 100 see somebody having thrown poor little max in that shoot and that person is winding wow. up. garbage and i'm glad they live in a yeah. snowflake and they got they him as a die. gift that person hi <clears throat> well that happens though that person Easter. was probably the mayor yeah he's horrible <laughs> it's he's horrible. true yeah but that is like you know at another holiday easter um, there's a big issue because people give rabbits and chicks and things like that to people as gifts um, oh. around Easter, and you know they Why? treat them as disposable. Why? They're not disposable. Oh I never heard of this. <clears throat> yeah, it's I didn't really know gross, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot um, around Easter. The people who, like put up stuff that says like, "This is not a gift. It's a commitment." And the same thing with like getting giving animals as a gift anytime like christmas yeah people give people a puppy at christmas or something and Mm -hmm. you know unless you are very confident that that person understands this is like a lifetime commitment to this animal you shouldn't get them an animal so it definitely could be a commentary on that well yeah maybe that was just Mm. too sad (laughs) to put into yeah ron howard's like sex party yes Throwing away puppies? No. I have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. 
any other deflicks before we uh, move on? Mm, no, I think that was out. Okay. No. Okay. Now we have Dick of the Flick, and I feel like it's it's like pretty much a given that it is the mayor. Absolutely. Yeah. Mayor Mayhew, come on. Yeah. You're the worst. I mean, yeah, we've exhaustively discussed that, I think, at this point, but he is total trash, and we know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it seems like if you're a mayor in film, you're kind of the dick. Like it makes me think of Jaws, yes, um, especially. So yeah, and I I mean to some extent, yeah, you could say the Grinch is a dick, but like he at least owns who he is. Like he knows that's what he is, and the mayor just tries to act like he's so like innocent and doing the right thing when really he's in it for himself. Yeah, I mean, and he doesn't have, you know, well, unless we just have missed it, the mayor doesn't have, like, kind of a tragic backstory and, like, an alienation, mm -hmm. you know, origin story that, like, makes Which him... I like. Like, I'm kind of over the villain origin story. Like, the, the Grinch is the villain. So, like, we, this is the villain we are focusing on in this movie. We don't also need another secondary villain who we empathize with. We need someone we're trying to, like root against a little bit um yeah and yeah just the mayor is just a crap person and just let him be crap yeah 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 and then yep. he has like this guy who's like his sidekick who is also i, I have no idea what this dude's issue oh is God. like i guess his name is hubris, He's obsessed with hubris. Him. that's clint howard's character oh, name wow. yeah okay and yeah. again clint howard is 100 <laughs> percent perfect in this because like this guy needs to he needs therapy. Like, Hubris needs therapy. Because <laughs> he is so devoted to the mayor. He's there to just be his 100% yes man all the time. But, like, even when the Grinch goes nuts and, like, shaves the middle of the mayor's hair off. Which oh is wonderful. God. Like, Hubris, like, grabs yes. the shaver and, like, does himself, too. Does like too. What? He can't I let... <laughs> really? I yeah. missed it. Well, I you missed that? I missed oh, yeah. it both times. Yeah. Well, yeah, he yeah. kind of turns yeah. away to do it. But, like, mm -hmm. it's like he's been so injured by, like, seeing the mayor hurt that, like, he has to... You know, do well, it too. Well, the mayor says, like, do something. Yeah. <laughs> when the Grinch. Oh, that's that's great. what he does. That's great. That's so It great. is funny. I mean, <laughs> that's but, yeah. great. This guy really yeah, needs he... help. Like, he needs to, like, he needs some some help with his codependency. Like, he's way, way, way too codependent yeah. <laughs> with the mayor. He's definitely, like, the, the Gretchen Wieners to, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, of of the mean girls drove to Regina George, I should say. So, you know, just a little lackey following around doing everything that, that he says and appeasing him. You are what do they call him? Um enabler. You're an enabler. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, I think this has a very clear dick of the flick. You know, and it is funny yeah. because initially you would think it's gonna be the Grinch. And he does have some qualities, but you know, it's mostly to do with his treatment that he yes. acts like this because the whole idea is not that you the whole idea is that you can be kind of naturally uh, a pessimistic person and it's okay like there's nothing like yeah. inherently wrong with that thankfully mm -hmm. for me but like you know he he most of his outward jerkiness has to do with the way that he's been treated the mayor has no such yeah. excuse. Well, when Cindy Lou Who comes to the Grinch's cave, I mean, I have to say, like, the Grinch is way, way out of control. Way, 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 way out of line. And 
the only reason we accept it as the audience is because Cindy Lou Who is so cool. And she yeah. sees through that and she just, you know, takes the words that he's saying. I mean, he is a complete jerk to her up in the cave. Then he drops her down that chute. I mean, that's pretty worst. But I would counterpoint that he is used to being having his space infringed upon because kind of the mm-hmm. first thing we see is these like jackhole teenagers going oh, up the yeah, mountain yeah, yeah, yeah. and like trying to break into his space, you know, and of course he like totally shit houses them, which is good, but like, you know, those people should mind their own business. Like he shouldn't have to not feel safe in his own home because these people are just going to come up and harass him all the time. Yeah, but Cindy yeah. is much different than the, she the is. Jerk but those are her brothers, I think. Yeah, mm. but they're kind of the worst. And she just let herself in. I yeah. mean, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm but, not saying that she's to, a jerk. I'm just saying, like, no, you know, yeah, she had good intentions, but she did. She doesn't know what his experience has been either. But you know, I can understand his reaction being like you know leave me alone yes there's nothing more frustrating than an unsolicited knock at the door and Mm. i'm like go away i don't yeah i don't want anything you're dealing with that's worse than like somebody just calling you instead of texting you and yeah that is also a cardinal sin in my world well if somebody's Mm -hmm. walked into our apartment i would yeah, freak I out so yeah i'm, well, yeah. I'm going into the mind outside space of our building you're freaking oh out yeah it. yeah i'm like a gorilla i'm super <laughs> territorial what's going on you know like uh, yeah so yeah imagine again s- we are all the grinch, yeah, the grinch <laughs> totally totally um, except my own grinchiness yeah, yeah. Uh, so our last segment is how many flicks do we give and for context i always like to share how this movie was received critically um, on IMDb, it has a 6.3 out of 10. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, I was a little surprised. It's it's not great. Uh, it is rotten from oh, wow. both sides. It's a 49% Ooh. from critics, which is really isn't surprising. Like, I could see mm. critics being like, eh. Um, but a 58% from audiences, hmm. too. And which is surprising because I feel like over time, this movie has become, like, more beloved, especially, like, from me personally. So maybe it'll continue to climb. I mean, it did win an Oscar. It did win an Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling. And it held that, you know, world record for most prosthetics until what Guardians of the Galaxy 3 came out this year. So, you know, it does have some of its, some, you know, accolades. But ultimately, it seems that critics and audiences didn't like this i think that's the wrong audiences who are voting in in here because every time i see this movie talked about on social media it is like oh my god i love this movie this movie is for me um so let me ask you guys what uh how many flicks do you give for this movie so i you know and i i totally can understand why critics probably don't like it this is not like a yeah critical kind of a movie <laughs> I can't imagine like Roger Ebert back in the day being like, oh, this is a great film. No. <laughs> this is this cinema. Is a, this is a solid two star for Roger Ebert. Um, but yeah, out of five, I would probably give it like, <clears throat> I would give it like a 3.7 out of five, or I hope that kind of translates into like a seven and a half out of 10. 
because mm-hmm. I think that it's a fairly solid movie for what it is. Um, I think that it's technically well, really well done. I think Jim Carrey is a 10 out of 10 by himself. And, you know, it's a fun Christmas movie. Um, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is great. Um, it has meaning to it, but it's not just like punching you in the head with it. It's not like <laughs> treacly because sometimes Christmas movies get a little too sweet. Um, it's like mm-hmm. eating all those puddings oh. at yeah. once. Um, so yeah, that's what I would give it. Yeah, I think for me, I, I would go four out of five. I, I feel like yeah. it's a... It's a very good movie, but I I think what is so unique with this one, and this has happened to me with other films, which is I feel like I needed to see it and then, like, sit with it for a while. Now, since I'm seeing it now, you know, like, in my late 40s, I feel like I have a bit more perspective on things. But if I saw this in the year 2000, I would have been probably pretty much the worst you about been it like a hate voter yeah i would be I like think most yeah. of those voters are like hate yeah voters. exactly they're like i don't yeah. know what this over the top stuff is like i can hear them it's just like i i know what's going on there but you know it's like we have the christmas spirit um you have a lot of really great talent on screen and then you know you have the production design you have the music you have the makeup you know there there's nothing here that is left unturned in my opinion. And I also feel that they do a great job with linking up to the source material, which I I can't believe they did that so well. Again, that was the biggest thing for me is when Jim Carrey sang the big song, I went, Oh my God, this song means so much more now. So yeah, Yeah. that's where I would go four out of five. Yeah. I think if you asked me in the year 2000, like what I would give this movie, like I probably would have given it like a two or less. Like I just like <laughs> did, I, I did not care for this movie whatsoever. And now that I've, you know, lived a little, little bit, I understand things a little bit more. Um, I think I'm comfortable at giving this a 4.5 out of five, honestly. Ooh. Like it's, it's really up there for me. And it's really has it really has to do with Jim Carrey himself. Like most of my points are for him, and then also um, Anthony Hopkins too. It's just like such a pleasure to have him be part of this movie. But yeah, it just it's so fun and relatable. And like I've watched this movie, I watched this movie twice in preparation for the episode, and I still laugh at so many parts. And like it's like I am anticipating the parts to to come and then they come and i'm like oh it's great still great i I still laugh it's amazing jim carrey you're so good um i love that he committed to the role i feel like he's the best like grinch that we could have gotten for this um especially for this character and like yeah honestly like why i don't give it like a five to five is i really just i could have like sat with more grinch stuff like i could have had more solo time with the grinch like contemplating existentialism and like you know commenting on his weight or like commenting on like what he was going to eat for the day like i just could have had more of those moments honestly um so yeah i'm 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 pretty confident in giving it a a 4.5 out of 5 i think it's definitely in like now it's in like my top five christmas movies of all time 
That's nice. awesome. Like, I'm so glad we picked this because it was pretty random. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a little like... bit random on our part to pick this because I just don't know. I, because we haven't rewatched it, we wouldn't really pick it for our show normally. Like, now, like three years from now, I might because I, I liked it and I would add it to my rotation. But it's mm. really great that we picked something that you love that is such a comfort film for you. I'm psyched. I love it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Thank you for picking it. And I'm glad I got to have this be the first Christmas movie for our series this month. I feel like it's a great one. Um, I'm definitely going to continue watching this one throughout the rest of the month, probably because it's just so good. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I want to give you both a chance to plug your awesome podcast and let the listeners know where they can find you guys. Sure. So we're Comfort Films Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. Um, that's where we're most active on socials. And if you want to go listen to our show, um, you can pretty much listen to it wherever you would find your podcasts. Um, if we're not on your favorite platform, reach out on Instagram and let us know. Um, most people listen through Apple or Spotify and some through our website, comfortfilmspodcast.com. Um, this month, we are also doing some holiday films, um, so you can drop by for those. We also just got done with a Robin Williams month, and we had a special episode this last week that was an interview with um, director uh, John Harrison, who also was an assistant director on Creep Show and composed the music for it. Um, he was a big uh, collaborator with George Romero, so we had done a big month on um, Halloween movies and George Romero in particular, so it was really exciting to be able to to do that uh, interview show, and we just put that out this week before um, we shift over to our holiday fair. <laughs> yeah, we always like to change it up. You, you don't know where we're headed, you know? We go to Robin Williams, then we go to like a master of horror, and now we're at Christmas. I yeah. mean, that's the Comfort Films yeah. podcast. Yeah, we're we're a little crazy like that. I mean, we, <laughs> we have just hit uh, 100 episodes recently, and, Whoop. you know, I'd say, Congrats. yeah, it was pretty exciting. Um, that's definitely the longest we've ever stuck with anything, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, talking about movies is just something we love. And our definition of comfort is definitely a bit different <laughs> than other people's, I'm sure. Um, but we, we love talking about the movies that make us happy and make us want to keep coming back for more. Yeah. I mean, if you want to check us out, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Comfort Films Podcast, comfortfilmspodcast.com. You know, we've also got some essays on there from guests that we've had talking about the films, you know, different memories that they've had. Including Claire, who Including wrote about Jurassic Claire. Park. Yes. We Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yes. You know me, guys. I love my Jurassic Park. So <laughs> always happy to create more content for that. Yeah. <laughs> and that remains in one of our top episodes. So we were happy to have oh, you for yay. that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. I love that movie. And I just finished listening to your Robin Williams month, like all your episodes for Robin Williams month, because I, you, you guys, listeners know that Robin Williams is my OG number one all time favorite. So I obviously like loved listening to your month of Robin Williams. I was like, when you announced it, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know we had yeah. to, we actually made it a little bit of a short month, but uh, I'm sure we're going to do more Robin Williams yeah. in the future. But yeah, when we did the birdcage, um, I think that would ha had actually been one of your potential picks that I was yes, like sad that we couldn't have you on for that one as well. But oh, it's who sad. knows? Maybe we'll I'm glad do... that you covered it. I'm glad that you did it. And so I could listen to it. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll do a rewatch. And if we do, we'll have you back on for that. Um, because 
It's a great movie. I think you could have done like mm-hmm. ten shows about the Birdcage. You could just have a whole yeah. podcast about the Birdcage. There's so much info. Yeah. yeah, there's the movie. Yeah. There's the other movie. There's yeah. the other movie. There's the show. Like the Broadway yeah, you show, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Man. So many things. Right. Amazing. Well, so for our next flick here at Why the Flick, we are keeping the Christmas movie theme going. Um, Next episode is also going to be our last episode of season three before we take a little short break. Um, So we're going to leave you with another Christmas movie. But you know what? If you thought that we were going to cover a classic feel-good Christmas movie, you would be wrong because we're not doing that. Um, we're going to keep the unhinged Christmas movie train rolling and we're going to cover Violent Night, the David Harbour badass Santa movie. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, the guy who made that movie was actually at an event that I went to last night. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I went to the Egyptian theater here in LA, um, and the, uh, the guy who wrote that pat casey was there yeah. it was uh, uh the last uh episode of mick garris's podcast postmortem they recorded live uh and he had guests oh my God. he had former guests of his come back to ask him questions during an ask me anything segment and pat casey who wrote violent night was one of the people so <laughs> That's really cool. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So crazy. Yeah, I was just reading up about like how they came up with that story and we'll we'll get into it next next episode. But yeah, so so crazy. And and I'm excited to definitely talk about that movie with a very another like unexpected Christmas movie, much like uh how the Grinch stole Christmas. But I'm gonna be joined by my former co-host and friend of the pod, Elizabeth. Hey. So she was the first guest on season three and so she's gonna be my last guest so we're gonna do a whole like full circle moment look back and it's gonna it's gonna be a fun one so I'm really excited for for that episode but that brings us to the end of how the Grinch stole Christmas and the end of this episode if you liked listening make sure to subscribe give us a five-star rating leave a review tell a friend all that good stuff and then you can also follow us on social media we are at why the flick on Instagram TikTok Twitter and Letterboxd. I'll probably be doing a lot of fun Grinch TikTok videos for you guys um, over these next two weeks. So definitely check us out there. John and Georgia, thank you so much again for coming on this episode. I had a blast as always. It's so much fun talking to you guys. You are just always a wealth of knowledge about movies. And so thank you for for talking about The Grinch with me. Thanks Thanks for for having having us. us. (laughs) We did it in sync. Nice. That was perfect (laughs) that was completely unplanned way to go jinx yeah (laughs) yeah and on that note bye everyone (laughs) Bye. bye